Welcome to the latest edition of the Visions and Tones podcast. Today I'm talking to a great friend of mine. Uh, we met in Australia about a couple of years ago, probably about five or so. Um, he is a linguist. Uh, currently he's in Germany. That's where he's originally from. Um, his name is Dr. Daniel Krause, and uh, he practices a comparative uh, linguist. So he'll tell us just maybe briefly about that. Uh, Dr. Krause in Germany, welcome to the Visions and Tones. It's good to host you. It's good to have you. Hello, Tony. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah. So what, what does a linguist do? Well, um, basically, we're interested in the theory of languages. Um, so uh, a comparative linguist uh, compares languages. We don't just compare languages that are very similar to each other, but also we like languages that are very, very different from each other. Uh, for example, like, I don't know, like German and Thai or uh, Zulu and uh, Swahili languages that are very, spoken very far apart from each other. So we compare them and we find similarities and differences, um, kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I loved your work because, I mean, when you were still in Australia and spent a lot of time driving around, uh, you really impressed me um, in a sense that as a young person, I was sort of moved to see you loving languages and the way you do. You had a you had sort of a tape, uh, sorry, a USB in your car with different kinds of music from different from all around the world. And you would be singing and dancing and every time telling me, you know, the meaning in this song and where the song's from, like everything, you know, African songs, you know, songs from the uh, Middle East and so on and so forth. Uh, why the passion? What drew you to practice linguistic and why the passion in, in languages like that? Well, um, going back to the to the USB flash, I still have that actually in my car now. <laughs> you never leave um, it. <laughs> I have that, and I still sometimes sing along uh, the Zulu songs and songs from all over the world, from uh, Australia, from from Asia, and so on. Um, where the where's the passion from? Well, um, I still remember, like when I was fourteen years old, a long time ago. Um, I once had a like I had difficulty with my French homework, and mm -hmm. I asked in, a, in a, an online forum. Mm -hmm. um, but stuff, uh, how can someone help me solve this problem with my French homework? Uh, so I got interested in, in languages. I got interested in French and in Latin. So I saw in the forum that a lot of people were like, so passionate about different languages, about Chinese, Japanese, uh, Thai, Indonesian, German, Russian, a lot of different uh, languages. Mm -hmm. So I got interested in languages and I read up on so many different languages and where they all came from. Mm -hmm. So finally, I decided to study linguistics. Um, so um, I studied a bachelor's of empirical linguistics. Then I moved on to my master's, um, also like comparative linguistics. And finally, got a scholarship to go to Australia and study um, Aboriginal languages and languages of the Pacific. So this even um, enhanced my passion for languages because they were so different. Mm -hmm. And I love that because when you were here, you used to sort of share with us a lot when you went to places like Vanuatu, which is um, an island, and that's where most of your fieldwork was done, and you learned quite a lot of things there, hey? That's correct, yeah. Um, so that was my first um, long-term fieldwork, um, basically outside of uh, the areas that I was used to. So before that, I had done some fieldwork in Indonesia. 
Um, but that one in Vanuatu was really like very far away from any place that I had been to before. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting to meet um, very different cultures, to live with the people, uh, to live in a remote place um, where there's no electricity, where people live from solar power, uh, where, where there's very little running water, where you go to the river uh, to catch some water. Um, so it was really different to live uh, their lives, um, like along with, with the people um, who are just, uh, who just live there, and to learn their language, to study their language, um, to ask them questions about their own language. Um, and that was really cool. Yeah, normally people just go on holidays in Vanuatu or to Fiji or uh, to other places, but they rarely realize that those places are full of languages. Like every mm. island has like mm. five or ten languages. That's that's amazing. And um, I mean, it probably might have been you who also drew to my attention that Australia itself has got more than 24 languages. And we came to Australia thinking probably English is the most spoken, but also forgetting the history of the Aboriginal people. How many languages are there in Australia? Well, that's very hard to estimate at the moment. Um, so at the, it's really hard to say because some of the languages are um, at the verge of extinction. Some of the languages are um, like they have like one or two native speakers, really, really very few, where others are like more vital. They have like a thousand native speakers. Um, but we could say that at the the time of the arrival of the Europeans in uh, in Australia, they were more than two or 300 languages, um, mm. at least. Um, and we could say that uh, hopefully, well, we, we hope that um, more than 50 languages are still spoken actively. Um, the actual number really is might be a bit higher, but uh, the vitality is like really uh, is shifting. So uh, some people, they still remember their ancestors language. Um, but then they often speak in Creole, so a mix of English and the Aboriginal language. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes very hard to say how many languages there actually are still spoken in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's put the figure to, um, well, around 200, but that's, that's a very nice estimate. Um, wow. it's probably, it's probably less. Um, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and for today, we will be talking about the linguistic of emoji. And, and I mean, the language of emoji, I don't know if, if it's a language, should we call that a language or should we just call it features in a language? Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, when I was asked um, to talk about the language of emoji or the linguistics of emoji, I had to think um, about what makes, uh, what, what makes a language a language mm -hmm. and um, whether emoji is a language. Well, most linguists would agree it, that it's not a language, but it is a form of communication. So language is also a form of communication. So we can't really say emoji is a language on its own. But why? So languages um, are made of a set of grammatical rules, not just grammatical rules, but also phonological rules. Except for sign languages, they have uh, gestural rules, not phonological rules, uh, but they're still a grammar. There's a set of grammatical rules uh, which govern the whole language. But we can't say that about emoji because like emoji don't really have a grammar. So I can use an emoji and there's no grammar behind the emoji. It's just a picture, right? And you interpret it maybe differently from me. But with a the language, there's, there's a grammatical set of rules that people agree upon. And uh, you can't simply change the grammar of a language. It just needs to be like that. And it's not adjustable uh, between two people. Mm -hmm. So it is yeah. not necessarily a language, but it's a form of communication. 
Correct. Yes. And, but and, emoji and, is a form of communication, mm-hmm. but um, it's also part of our language. Um, so it more it's more like you could say it enhances our language. Okay. Uh, but we can we can easily do without it, right? We can do without emoji. We can communicate without emoji. We can talk with with each other, but we cannot talk without a language. So we can easily talk without emoji. I don't need to send you any emoji. I can still send you a text message and don't use any emoji. But I'm sure so, it will affect uh, interpretation at some point, especially when, with text, but we're going to get there. First, maybe I would like for you to take us towards, you know, the, the emergence of it. You know, what's the timelines as far as we can remember historically? Okay, that's a very interesting question. Um, because, well, first of all, where does the word emoji come from? It's probably interesting. So a lot of people think emoji, well, that has to do with emotion, right? Um, or uh, we've, you've, had, you've heard the word emoticon, emotion, all of this before. And emoji sounds very similar, but actually it's not. It's a Japanese word um, made, of, made up of two words. E means picture and moji means character. So it's a picture character. Um, but well, maybe there is some intention behind that. It must sound like, um, emotion. So this is what we call phonosemantic matching in linguistics. So we, uh, the Japanese people try to, uh, come up with a word, uh, that sounds and means something similar with emote, emotion, but using their own language. So we, we, we basically, uh, we got the word emoji which doesn't mean emotion in the language, but it means something different, but it sounds similar to emotion. emotion. Um, so talking about the history, well, um, it's really difficult to say when emojis first emerged, because first we need to define what, emo- what an emoji is. Um, an emoji is, well, we could say an expression of emotion in text, right? But isn't um, a question mark also something like that? An exclamation mark? So when you put an exclamation mark after the word yes, the, the intention might be very different. So where do, you, where do emojis come from? Is it just um, a sign or is it, is it a picture? Where does the, the definition of emoji start? Um, interestingly, there is a funny internet meme um, like, um, which compares Egyptian uh, ancient Egyptian um, hieroglyphs uh, used in the pyramids with emoji and saying 4,000 years, 4,000 years later, and, uh, we are back to the same language, which is pretty funny because, um, like we think that 4,000 years ago, people used symbols in, in the pyramids and now we're still using symbols or basically we come, we're getting back to it while we've evolved from language to characters to characters. And then we, the characters go back to emojis. Um, well, this is not really true in linguistics. Um, because um, the Egyptian language was a real elaborate uh, writing system. It was a language used with grammatical rules, while emoji are different. Um, so they are a form of communication, but not a language. So in that case, emoji are not that old. They are not as old as uh, the Egyptian uh, hieroglyphs, but um, we could say that the first emoji um, emerged in the 1980s. Um, for example, with the emoticon. The emoticon is the, the very the simplest emo, um, emoji you, you could think of, the, the simplest way to represent a smiling face. It's the, the colon, hyphen, and, yes. and a bracket. Right? Yes, I yeah, right. Uh, this is the simplest one. And the first time it emerged was in the 80s. 
Um, but even before that, as other people had uttered the uh, the wish to represent emotion in in text, so they said like we should add some emotion to text, but we don't know how, we don't know we don't know how how do you do how do you do that? But then later, like in the nineties, um, you might remember um, an old font called Wingdings. You still remember that? Wing? Uh, you might. Wingdings was a fo- font in 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 Windows. Uh, sorry, not Windows in Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So when you typed um, the letter A, not the letter A was produced, but some like an airplane. Yes, for example. yes, I or remember. Right, you would type letter K, and a smiling face would appear, something like that. So that was called Wingdings. We got weddings, Wingdings, one, two, three. These weird fonts that people usually never used, mm-hmm. but you could use them for like. I don't know, a toilet signage or something with a smiley face and you would type that and print it out. And then you had like a a male figure and a female figure and you could just print that with your normal keyboard. Um, So that was kind of um, the development of emoji. Um, So it also included smiling face and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Then later in the 2000s, uh, emoji were encoded in Unicode. So there's a Unicode consortium um, and they decide which characters um, are encoded on a computer or on the phone. Um, so that happened in the 2000s. 2000 mm-hmm. sounds like it's pretty recent, but it's actually been 20 years ago. So more than 20 years ago. Um, then 2008, um, Google and Apple also re- released their first emoji uh, for, it, for, um, for Gmail and for the, for iPhone, uh, for the iPhone respectively. Um, so yeah, kind of that's where it started, right? 2000, the 2000s, 2008, it's really where the first emoji sets um, came about. Right. So perhaps if we can dive quickly towards the part of interpretation that I was saying, the fact that, um, you know, we may not use them just alone emoji. We may not use emoji alone, but use them to sort of complement um, our text for the sake of interpretation. Um, what's your take on that? Because I, I'm thinking on how there has been a growing trend of you know communication breakdown in terms of how people interpret um, text, and probably that might come with some form of you know psychological implications where it is easy to understand the other person what they're trying to say in terms of a text. But whenever a text then comes and appears with an emoji, then there's a bit of an ease because the emoji helps one to sort of finish, you know, whatever is being communicated on the other side. Yeah, that's very correct. Um, so we would have to think of emoji more like um, of our intonation when we have when we talk, like our voice. Mm-hmm. We don't talk with a uh, with a robotic voice. We don't want to sound like a robot, uh, like a robot, right? Mm-hmm. So I could also talk like this, like a robot, and you would not want to listen to me. This sounds very boring, right? Yeah. Uh, so what we want to enhance our language, um, like make it more interesting. So we add intonation, prosody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we add pauses. So um, I have like a pause. Ah, okay. What's coming out? Okay. So we add these features to our language. Mm-hmm. But when we write, when we when we write a text, it's impossible to do that. How can we how can we write a pause? Um, we can we can do a full, we can put a full stop there. Yeah, but it's it doesn't tell us how long it is. Um, we cannot really raise the voice. Um, raise our voice when we when we type a text, right? So mm-hmm. for these things, we use emoji. Um, we enhance the boring text with pictures, 
um, to convey our our intention, our emotion. Mm-hmm. So you cannot just use emoji, basically, because it's like you just want to use intonation without saying any, anything. You cannot just use the intonation of your voice without any saying anything. You cannot ask a question with, without text. Um, so in this case, we use the emoji to uh, enhance the written text, the boring written text. Um, think of something like your electricity bill. Mm-hmm. Electricity bill is totally boring, right? You get your electricity bill, it's full of numbers. You, you don't really care about that. Okay, you just, list, you just read that. It's very boring text. Imagine if there were emoji in it. You would, uh, this is totally out of place. It doesn't really fit because it is a robotic text. It's a boring text. But when you get a text from your friend, you don't want to have, you don't want to have a boring conversation. You actually really want to have an engaging conversation. You want to see the gestures of the person. You want to hear the person talk. You want to um, feel what the person is actually feeling, why that person is talking. Uh, so in that case, you see the emoji. Okay, you see you see a smiling face, a laughing face, a sticking out tongue face, and you really can feel what the person is actually intending to write. Um, so in that case, yeah, they enhance our language. Mm-hmm. Um, they really mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm sure they might also have sort of a negative implication in terms of, you know, writing in a scholarly way or whatsoever. If people get used to sort of using emojis and whatsoever, um, and then you get familiar and caught up into the emoji language, now you have to come and read a book. Does Do you think that can affect when you come now to read a book? And and this reminds me of um, a philosopher, Roland Barthes, who wrote, you know, uh, an essay titled The Death of the Author. Um, mm-hmm. where if we sort of fail to sort of interpret simple text messages and whatsoever, uh, and we get caught up into the language of emojis, how likely are we, as far as um, your discipline might show us, how likely are we to sort of come and also misinterpret uh, or get caught up in the misinterpretation of, you know, books when we read books, because we, we're creating our own interpretation at the same time, but then reading a book or reading a newspaper or, or tabloids whatsoever without any forms of emojis might sort of create a certain impression. So so there's there's different worlds basically emerging. The, the world that if you are a good reader and not caught up into emojis and, and a good researcher, it might be possible for you to sort of catch the intentions of the, the writer compared to, you know, if you're now caught up into the language of or, or the additions of the emojis, and now you have to sort of start started reading a book, and you feel like the interpretation now looks somewhat different. Would you say emojis are helpful in terms of also uh, reading books? When you read books, should we see books in the future being written with the addition of emojis, like we see today? Emails that's been done on emails. Some people do that on emails, though some might not be pleased with that. Well, it really depends on the context uh, where the text is used. So um, taking your example of books, um, would you want to see a book full of colorful emojis or would it rather be disturbing to us? Well, at our current stage, I think it is rather disturbing. We want to have the the text because we're used to books having text, right? Having plain text. um, It has like, uh, of course, there are people talking to each other, but there's also a narrator. always every time having a narrator adding smileys, having a sticking out tongue face, um, or maybe, I don't know, even even worse, like uh, there's the poop emoji or anything funny, like the eggplant emoji. It doesn't really fit in the book because you want to have the narrator helping you get through the story. Um, then there's a short conversation and normally the author is 
good enough to engage you in the conversation. So that's that what that's what makes a good author, right? Um, to engage you in the book and the whole thing. Um, also, like when you think of other texts, like an application, a job application, of course, it's totally out of place to use an emoji there. Maybe unless you, I don't know, you apply for a social media a star or something. Um, but then basically, it's totally out of place to write a job application with, um, um, with emoji or um, to uh, a newspaper or anything. Um, it makes it what seems like less serious, less less um, uh, less neutral, right? So if you if you see a newspaper and there's it's full of emoji, it comes up like you know like Daily Mail and totally sensationalistic and all that stuff. It's totally overwhelming. Uh, too many emoji that would be totally out of place for a, for a serious for a neutral newspaper, right? That doesn't really make any sense to us at the moment. Well, we don't know what the future brings, yeah. but uh, of course, yeah. What does the future bring? But as I see it, like with emails, um, you would not, you would never add an, uh, an emoji to an email to your boss. Normally, not uh, or email to your to the dean of the school, right? But it depends how close you are with the boss. I do send uh, uh, LOL to my boss. Laugh out loud. I'm actually a step away from sending an emoji. <laughs> Really, that's that's interesting. Um, but that's also like, how would you engage with your boss in a normal conversation? Um, are you really cool with your boss? Um, right. Is he or she like your friend, or um, is is he or she really like like your boss? Yeah, like bossy and that kind of um, attitude between you and, and them. So it's really interesting to uh, to see that your standard. Um, how do you say that? Uh, communication is uh, conveyed the same way in an, in an email. So when you say when you use LOL with your boss, it means you're really close with your with your boss. Mm -hmm. uh, but also in your private conversation, not using email but just talking to your boss, you're also very familiar. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, you're probably not very close to the dean of the school or uh, not very close to, to the president or anything. But if you had to write a letter to the president, probably you also would never use emoji because you need to be very neutral. You need to be like, you know, like um, you maybe have a serious um, issue here and you would never use emoji. So right. basically, we need to understand emoji as not as part of the text, actually, but as part of the spoken language. So we want to convey the same spoken language, the intention, the same emotion. We want to convey the the um, the the intonation of our voice, and that's how you can. Uh, that's one way of doing it in text, so using emoji. Mm -hmm. Yes, probably in the future. Well, can you do it in books? Probably. Like we've, it's other things like uh, that have happened, like. Um, there's a Bible in slang and English, for example. So you would never have thought that the Bible could be written in slang, but well, it has happened. So, well, like 10, 10 or 20 or 40 years ago, no one would have thought of, it, of that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is something that has happened and we cannot foresee the future. So maybe it happens that at some point, someone will write a book in just emoji, only emoji, but it's gonna be very hard to interpret everything. Yeah, so that's and and I mean, I mean, there are people who can chat through emojis only. I believe, 
but yes. it might not be a full meaningful conversation. Probably it might be a flirting. I said this to a friend of mine that people can flirt with emojis and you can have a, a, a conversation. I'm not sure whether I would title it a full conversation, but you can have a conversation with flirting because it is easy to sort of um, uh, track down and trace actually the flirting language of emojis. Like, you know, when people use the eggplant or people use the peach and so on and so forth, you know, winking. Uh, um, uh, emojis, the tongue out and so on and so forth. So it's easy to can sort of have maybe about a minute or two minutes in terms of exchange of flirting with emojis, but probably not a conversation about how has your day been through emojis Correct. only. Yeah, absolutely true. And that's what I meant by having a set of grammatical rules mm-hmm. versus um, enhancement of, of our language. So a language itself, um, you can express any concept in the world using your language. Um, Any native speaker of any language can express any concept in the world using their language. But you cannot do this with emoji, not at all. So for example, I wanna say, um, the day before yesterday, um, I ate a very delicious brownish cookie uh, baked by my lovely mom. So how do you do that with emoji? It's really hard. It's hard. How do you express the day day before yesterday? How would you say that? Um, or the day after tomorrow, things like that. It's really hard to do this with emoji. Um, also saying that the difference between um, I'm going to school and I went to school this morning. How, how do you do this in emoji? It's really hard. You cannot have different tenses and different aspect modes and anything like that that you have in linguistics or language. Mm-hmm. You reckon we're not going to get there at all? Because I'm, I'm fascinated about the, the new developments and the changes. Uh, taking you a little bit back when we're talking about books, uh, we never used to have audiobooks, which is, you know, having just hard print and so on. And then we moved to audiobooks. And then from there, we find ourselves now... Um, having audiobooks and probably as you said uh we don't know how the future look, looks like and i want to throw this to you perhaps the future might look like a moment where we'll have books with emojis and maybe in a quickest way possible i was sort of uh dig, you know digging down through um research and i saw that this now a uh, few psychologists who actually rely on the use of um emojis to, to sort of help uh clients with autism um, especially those who sort of cannot, you know, reconcile some euphemisms or cannot reconcile some banters or uh, and so on and so forth, but stuff like that. So, so, so they sort of use that to sort of help them, help people with autism to know how to sort of express themselves uh, through the use of emojis. And I'm thinking about how far could then we be um, in terms of seeing books, but maybe books for with books with emojis, but maybe for a specific selected groups that can, you know, that maybe might have audible speech challenges or whatsoever. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, that could happen. Um, it's the same with um, written language for blind people. I mean, we have these um, uh, Braille script, it's called Braille script, or um, like, um, like for uh, vision impaired people, uh, mm-hmm. with different forms of these. Um, yes, technically this is possible, um, and it's probably also been developed. I'm, I'm not an expert in that um, study, so I'm also not an expert in um, studies on autism. Um, but um, well, technically, yeah. So uh, there's a recent study by um, Hand at all. It just appeared this year. Um, yeah, this year it's called Emoji Identification and Emoji Effects on Sentence Emotionality in ASD Diagnosed adults and neurotypical controls. 
uh, if anyone is interested in that. Wow, that's um, a long so title. We found that, uh, the differences in emoji perception between autistic adults and neurotypical, so non-autistic uh, adults, um, is there is a difference. There is a difference, but um, they are marginal. The differences are marginal, but the groups. Um, like um sorry so um so within the groups there is larger ambig ambiguity in the autistic group so what they did is like um they have um like okay so uh, a happy face a sad face um uh, um and a surprised face and these things um and then they put emojis there so which one fit the right one so you have an, a smiling face and would you say this this person is smiling this person is sad or whatever uh, this person is, is surprised and um with neurotypical people so like non-autistic uh, people uh the matching was almost 100 percent. so people would immediately identify this within the autistic group um there was more ambiguity within the group so um that means sometimes they in in interpreted the smiling faces correctly Mm -hmm. or like the same face correctly but also like there was uh, like unclarity between like sad face and surprised face for example so we need to be careful with that um if we want to print such books we need to be working together with with people who have this uh vision impairment or like uh other impairment um like um who understand okay uh, or can speak for the for the whole community say this um this uh, is an, a universal uh, emoji, for example, a smiling face. This is universal. Everyone will understand this. But this one is rather not universal. Probably there are the cultural differences. There are differences for autistic people. So these things, we need to be careful about that um, because it, there's no agreed set of meanings of the, of, um, of the emoji, right? So we have like more than 3,000 emoji at the moment, 3,600 or so. Hmm. Um, and all of them are defined in some way, but people interpret them differently. So do autistic people also uh, interpret them the same as we do? Well, we mm. don't know. We need to That's work together question. with them, yeah. right? So um, we could easily say, oh, of, of course, they can all use them. Um, autistic people can use them. It's, it makes, the, makes it very easy for them. But do they really see them the same? And also, there is not just one single autism. There are so many different um, mm. forms of autism, right? But on the other hand, of course, it makes it a lot easier to type uh, text for people who are not very good with typing with uh, text. Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of cases, um, autistic people have um, have difficulty typing or writing or re reading. Um, while they are very good at other things, they are not so good in learning letters, for example. Um, so in this case, pictures are really helpful. But pictures do not replace text. So often they would send uh, voice messages, which is a, a lot easier than just sending um, pictures, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I'm not an expert in this uh, area. So, mm -hmm. But I think there needs to be a lot more study on this before we can actually go forward here. Right. And I like the fact that you just spoke about interpretations. I was thinking, um, but you spoke about interpretations in light of, you know, whether someone with autism can they interpret certain emojis the same way as, you know, somebody who's maybe not having autism sort of saying. But I was also thinking about sort of uh, legalistic impl implications in terms of interpretations where 
very often if certain texts have to be brought into the court of law as evidence you know it's easy to interpret something that is written compared to 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 emojis and and can you weigh on that in terms of legal implications in terms of interpretations one can claim that yeah i did send the emoji but that's not what i meant i meant something like this and that might drag the entire interpretation pro, pro, process so so would that be fine to link um the emoji with you know that kind of interpretation as as part of the negative aspect of emoji in a, in a legalistic framework yeah that's also a very good question because um well, um, it, technically, it's the same with any text, right? If you want to interpret text, you can always say, I didn't mean it like that. That's, that could happen in, in any court, in any court ruling. Um, and as far as I know, so I've looked for cases here because you told me before you're going to ask a question about legal implications. Mm -hmm. um, so I've looked for cases, and as far as I know, there's never been any case where uh, the, a verdict has been the uh, verdict is based solely on the use of emoji. Usually it's, it's seen in the context of, um, of the text, of the surrounding text. So when I say, um, there's one example, for example, I'm going to shoot this guy and then there's a pistol symbol. Um, it's not based on the pistol, but it's uh, what the verdict would be, uh, would be based on the, um, on the text. I'm going to shoot this guy. So uh, the, the court would rule, okay, this person is probably, it's attempted murder or something, uh, not because of the pistol symbol, but because of the text. Mm -hmm. So but if you just send the pistol uh, to someone, it doesn't mean you want to kill the person. It just may, it may just mean, well, actually there is no pistol anymore. It's going to be, it's, it's a water gun now. So they've changed it from pistol to water gun. Yeah. So if, if you send a water gun to someone, um, you don't necessarily need to interpret this, oh, this, this person is going to kill me, but maybe the person just means, ah, I want to have this as a present. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fond of water guns or whatever. Or we're going to have a, a huge party with water guns. It's really hard to interpret that. But what if I send what if I send to you then a, a, a bomb in a coffin, and then Correct. later on it's found that Tony participated in acts of you know extremism or whatsoever, terrorism yeah, so or whatever. Normally this is normally this is sent within a context, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's very rare that we've never ever ch chatted, and suddenly you sent me a bomb with a coffin, and next day I'm dead. It's really rare to have that because there must have been a conversation before or after that between us. Right. Uh, and this is normally what's taken in, a, in, in, uh, in account. It's not just the emoji that's ever been part of a, a court decision. As far as I know, I've never seen anything like that. But there was one case in Israel, um, and I think I should tell you that. Um, that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Because um, so there was a couple that alleg allegedly wanted to buy a house, and they sent a message to the uh, landlord, um, including champagne, dancing person, rocket, with a text: "We want the house." Finally, after that, they ghosted the uh, the landlord, and they've never talked to the landlord again. And the landlord went to court and said, "These guys wanted to buy my house," so but they've never shown up. So finally, the court actually ruled that the couple had to pay them, uh, had to pay the, the landlord thousands of dollars wow. because based on the, um, on the emoji with uh, champagne, dancing people, a rocket and like celebration, um, it really looked like they were celebrating to buy the house. But on the other hand, you could also say, well, the couple really said, um, we want to buy the house. So this is also clear. So it, basically it was like the the verdict was based on mm -hmm. 
on emoji, but also seen within the context, right? It was not solely based on just like if I just sent you, let's say, if I just sent you a, a bottle of champagne uh, via WhatsApp, you wouldn't think that I wanted to buy your house, right? Mm -hmm. So you always need to have the text to what about the house? Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what, so what, what then is the danger if you can weigh in? Because re recently, um, Apple had Apple brought in the feature that if I send to you a text message, I'm now able to go back and add it to the text message. But what if I'm capable of editing the text message, but not able to tamper with the emoji? Therefore, I sort of change a little bit um, in terms of the word, in terms of the wording. That that still complicates the narrative, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think you can also go back and just delete the emoji, right? Um, in any text message. I think in WhatsApp, you can just go back and delete the message where you send the emoji. I think that's possible. Mm -hmm. so would it make that, would it be different? Uh, prob be probably so. I need to check there. That's actually a good question. I need to yeah. check that whether can that also temper the, the, the emoji so it's only just for the text. I have never sort of trialed that out. I think you can, I'm not sure if you can change uh, the emoji, but I think as far as, well, as far as I know, WhatsApp, I think you can just go back and delete the message, delete for everyone, and then basically it's gone. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's possible, yeah. Just maybe last question or two last questions, uh, Dr. Klaus, the, uh, the global interpretation of it, it doesn't seem like most of the time certain characters are sort of interpreted uh, differently in a global space. For some reasons, everybody knew what the eggplant means. And probably part of that interpretation might come from different movies when people watch movies and they say that, okay, when people say this and then they basically cope copy copy the coding from there and then they're like oh this is the global way of using this um i'm wondering whether are there as far as you're concerned differences also in terms of you know cultural backgrounds in terms of the emojis and whatsoever i love the fact that part of the um developments that happen with emojis we started to see sort of characters representing people in terms of skin color in terms of hair color and so on i think i think the phrasing was me emojis for for the big ones that i use on iphone you know uh not just the yellow ones that now you can change into different skin textures skin color and so on but there's the other ones that you can sort of create it by yourself and and it's it's called a me emoji i don't know if you've seen one that i always put mine with a big fro and whatnot and people are like oh this actually this character looks almost like you and there's yeah. other ones that people are developing now that um you know you can you can show sort of yourself dancing in a more pentecostal african-american way and so on and so forth you know there's sort of new things that are being developed each and every time i'm wondering whether because with emojis we know that uh there has been sort of a way of and i mean when we when we think of emojis also and emojis if you can think also of is it a gif also what what the role that the gifs now play for us is sort of moving characters than just a dead emoji or dead emoji and so on and so forth how does the future look like then if, if you're looking at those and in terms of cultural differences and cultural interpretations well, again, uh, foreseeing the future is really hard for me, for like for anyone. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really hard to judge what's going to happen in the future. Uh, we can see some uh, tendency, of course, that um, people really like uh, moving pictures now. 
um, like a couple of years ago, we would just be happy to send someone a picture. Like um, I, I still remember like uh, when like the time of SMS, we had the MMS, or oh, that was really cool. And then we could see, uh, send the first pictures. Now everything's on TikTok. It's moving pictures. Everything's on TikTok. We share TikTok. Uh, we share Instagram uh, reels and all that stuff. That's all moving pictures, right? We're more interested in moving pictures. Uh, people are not so much interested in just boring uh, 2D pictures uh, you've taken in your holidays, but you actually need to show a short reel of five seconds, yeah, uh, what you've just done in your holidays. So it's the same with GIFs or the GIFs. Uh, when you uh, when you just send a plain uh, emoticon or a plain emoji, um, I mean, it does convey a certain message. It does convey your emotion. But of course, the moving one, Conveys even more, right? It conveys even more emotions. So the dancing one, of course. I mean, uh, how can you show dancing with a with a 2D picture? It's it's hard, mm -hmm. um, especially if the the type of dancing is, as you say, traditional African dance, uh, mm -hmm. traditional uh, dance from wherever China or so. Um, it's very hard to show this on a picture, especially because it's super small. It's just so such a small thumbnail. Usually, like I don't know how many, like five millimeters per five millimeters, three tiny so how can you see that but once it's moving you can actually feel the emotion a lot better um but on the other hand um your question about uh cultural differences mm -hmm. is also a good one because um well there have been a couple of emojis that were controversial um like because of cultural differences so for example one um well first of all we're all humans and we all want to express emotion so we all understand this so every single person on the in the world would understand an emoji. But the way it's interpreted, that's mm -hmm. really hard um, to see. So there is this, um, this okay sign, like when you put your thumb and your index finger together, yeah. like in a couple of uh, like in a lot of places, it just means okay, everything's mm -hmm. all right. Mm -hmm. But in other places, so especially in South America and Brazil, um, also in the Middle East, um, it's really offensive uh, because it forms like a whole. Um, and it could stand for like, you're an asshole, actually. So this is really offensive. So people would, well, you have to be careful to send this uh, to a person who comes from that cultural background. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, there is this, um, it's called a horn sign. When you have the index finger, the pinky and the, and the, the thumb together, like the rock mm -hmm. sign, we like heavy metal sign. Yeah. Um, this one is normally interpreted as something like, basic like heavy metal um it's not really it doesn't really have an implication to a lot of people but in the middle east again in south america it, it's very offensive again um what so there could are these, it mean um i think as far as i remember it means adultery hmm. um so it's um i don't know I, i'm not from that culture so hmm. i don't know so uh, as far as i know if you send this it means um be careful, your, your girlfriend is cheating on, uh, sorry, you, uh, sorry, the other way around. Your partner is cheating on a person. Mm. Uh, so be careful with, with it. This means adultery. Um, so, but in heavy metal, it doesn't mean anything that has to do with that. Um, so these cultural differences are very, um, yeah, they are sensitive sometimes. Right, right. And one, one, one emoji that I remember you used it quite often, actually, um, is like um, the, the praying one. So yeah. when you, the two, the two hands together, the praying one, it was actually invented in Japan for, thank you. 
Um, yes, and but, I remember some people saying that was actually a high five as opposed to prayer. And I was like, okay, so we spent a lot of yeah, time thinking this is prayer. Yeah, so what exactly does it mean? So in Japan, it's the thank you sign. Also in Thailand, it's it's the greeting. It's the typical greeting sign. Um, a lot of con- countries, it's the praying uh, sign. Others, mm. it's, it's uh, yeah, whatever. It's the uh, high five or whatever. Um, so with this one, I mean, if you just communicate with the people in your from your community, everyone will understand the same. Like everyone will interpret it the same way. But once you, well, we we live in a global world, so it's very normal to talk like uh, to people from other cultures. Um, then we need to be careful about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually, there are so many international uh, emoji that people are aware of. So we are aware of the smiling face, the stick out tongue face and all these things. Uh, we are aware of these, of the meanings, mm. especially through the media, right? People mm. use them all of the time. Uh, yeah, all of the, all of the internet everywhere. It's, it's, it's been used so often so that they can't, that they become conventionalized mm. and we do understand them the same way if, eventually. Right. Now I'm picking up different kinds of things. Yes, we still can have communication breakdown and so have to watch cultural differences and so on and so forth. Now, maybe as a last question, and then maybe I'll give you a space to share whatever is remaining left that on your side that you'd like to share. Would you say, therefore, the lang- the emoji language or the features should be embraced um, by all oh, different yeah. kinds of people, different generations and so on and so forth, or a certain part of them? Definitely. Um, it's a very vital part of our communication and it's super important. So we always think that um, the new generation, the young generation kills our language. They destroy our language. Mm. They, they uh, abuse our language or whatever word you want to say. Like uh, the, grammatic, the grammar gets worse and worse. Well, people have been saying this for thousands of years yeah. and the language has never been killed because of the new generation. Um, the new generation finds new ways to communicate with the same language. So currently, okay, emojis are super, it's a super hype. It's everywhere. Uh, emojis are everywhere. Maybe in 20 years, it will be boring. Maybe in 20 years, it's only the GIS. Mm-hmm. Maybe in 20 years, it's only the TikTok videos. Maybe it's something totally different. Maybe the emojis are just like old fashioned. It's just the grannies to use, uh, use that. Um, but at the moment, well, old people don't really use emojis a lot. Well, they get used to it, right? But um, it's not used a lot. I don't really use it a lot with my grandparents, um, but I use it a lot with my friends. But maybe once I'm at, that, at their age, like I, I think that emojis are super important, but to, to the new generation, it's just like that's what all people use. Like emojis is what all people use. It's, it's not the new standard. Mm. Um, so in that case, yeah, the new generation always finds interesting uh, ways or means to... Uh, to enhance their language, so it's it's something we need to embrace. It's nothing we need to uh, we need to look uh, frown upon on. It's really something that's that's uh, that should be embraced and mm-hmm. something that should be supported uh, by the institutions, by the Unicode consortium, uh, by a lot of uh, these uh, institutions that create or develop uh, new emojis. Also, in terms of skin color, haircut, and all that stuff, that should be embraced, of course. Um, 
having just plain white people could be racist. Yeah, having just plain yellow people could be too neutral. We don't mm -hmm. really we don't have to identify with yellow people, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we want to have people that represent ourselves. Mm -hmm. We want to have our skin color. Uh, we want to have our nose, our mouth, our haircut. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that needs to be embraced, of course, and something that needs to be supported uh, by bigger organizations uh, that develop these these codes. Wow. Yeah. I don't know from my side, that's a good space to stop. Let me give you a couple of minutes if there's anything you'd like to share. I know always I don't give my um, guests enough time to sort of share everything, but anything that you'd like to sort of add up uh, in about two minutes or so um, that I've never asked you about this topic. Okay. Um, well, first of all, thank you for this interesting interview. Um, I think one thing that needs to be added is... Um, there's a, there's a very famous quote by an Austrian uh, communication expert in the 1970s, and he once said, one cannot not communicate. So whatever you do in your life, on like with like any interpersonal conversation you have, whether you use words or you use text or whatever, you always communicate. Even if you don't say anything, even if you just stand there, you communicate. Let's imagine I ask you a question, Tony, did you did you hide my my sweets? Did you hide them? I, I can't find them. And you're just not saying anything. I immediately understand that you want to communicate. You want to say something. Well, yeah, I did, but I'm not trying to say anything, even though you don't say anything. And we want to do this with emoji. We want to do this. We want to communicate with boring text messages. Um, we have the urge to communicate. Uh, to express ourselves with boring text. And I mean, plain text is just boring. It's boring to read that. Once you add an emoji there, it really gives you such an important impression mm -hmm. of what the person is thinking, um, even if it's just a smiling face, a heart-shaped face, or any, uh, sorry, a heart-shaped emoji or anything. Um, it totally changes the meaning of the text sometimes. And that's what we want to convey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's a vital part of our culture. We can't deny that, and it's really important. And everyone is using it, even though even even though there are people who say I've never used them and I never use never going to use them. Eventually, they will use at least a thumbs up or anything um, in some form. And if not, they use an exclamation mark, and it's it has the same meaning in the end. Right. Yeah. Dr. Kause, thank you so much for your time and your expertise there. We really appreciate having you on the Visions and Tones and we appreciate you sharing um, with us and taking the time. It's evening there in Germany, probably should be heading back to, uh, heading, yeah, you know, to bed yeah. now, but uh, it's midnight. Oh, wow. And you, you made the time to sort of have a chat with us now. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you too. Thanks for your time. Okay, that's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Great. So to you, listeners of the Visions and Tones, that was Dr. Daniel Kause, all the way from Germany, who is a comparative um, linguist. And we thank him there for his time. Thanks for choosing the Visions and Tones podcast, hoping you go and you embrace the emoji language, but also be cautious there in terms of, you know, cultural differences and so on and so forth and communications breakdown. But uh, thank you for choosing us. Go ye and be best versions of yourselves. Be best humans. And we'll catch you next time. We out.